Good morning. Wow, I hope uh, that attendance is due to the 4th of July and not that people found out I was speaking. <laughs> I'm sure it's the first one. Hope so. Did you guys have a good 4th of July? Wasn't so good, huh? Was it good? Good. Mine was. It's great. Someone asked me how Germans celebrate the 4th of July. They don't. It's just a day. Anyway, we're going to talk about the tongue this morning and, and the potential that it has and what it, what it can do. The potential and the power of the tongue, of words, of, of our speech. I'm sure all of you have experienced that in the positive or in the negative. And really, you know, one little word that you could say can change your life or that of somebody else forever. About 14 years ago, I uh, went on my knee in front of a beautiful French woman. Mm. You're looking good today, by the way. And said, will you marry me? She said, I don't know. I have to think about it. She had already picked out her ring, but anyway. But a few minutes later, she said, yes. Just three letters changed her life and mine forever. She could have said a two-letter word. No. Would have been completely different. My life and her life. One word can change your life and the direction of your life forever. Thoughtless words can change your life in a whole new, very unpleasant direction at times. I know if you remember, it was probably about a year, a little over a year ago, a guy called Don Imus, he had a syndicated radio show, made some stupid, thoughtless, hurtful comments about the Rutgers ladies basketball team, I believe. Ruined his career. Thoughtless words spoken can change your life completely. You know, words, speech, our tongue are really incredible. They can, can leave deep, deep scars. And at the same time, it can heal deep wounds. Words can plant seeds of self-doubt and they can infuse confidence in somebody. You know, when I started working here 10 months ago, unbelievable, 10 months ago. You know, my first job at a church, I've never worked at a church. I've been in ministry for over 10 years, but never at a church. And so you have doubts at times. Say, man, is this, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And, and self-doubt nags at you. And, and I remember Dave Nelson sitting me down and I mentioned some of this. And he said, man, Christian, I believe in you. I know that K2 is going to be a different place because you're here. And I have full confidence in you. And I went, oh, great. It was incredibly powerful. What he said to me, words can tear down or lift up. Have you experienced the destructive power of words? Have you had somebody say, say something to you, like, like what Brad mentioned, maybe decades ago and it still replays in your mind? You still hear that voice? You still believe that lie? Maybe you've at some point been the agent of a destructive word I have maybe you have experienced the, the encouraging and uplifting power of a word where somebody spoke something into your life and oh, it just gave you this boost of confidence 
in the hope that you have been at some point the agent of that verbal encouragement to somebody else. So I want to talk about that today, the, the power of the tongue and how important it is in, in us keeping peace with each other. You remember we're in a series called Peace. We talked about two weeks ago about peace with God. And then last week we, we started talking about peace with each other. And this is a very specific part of how to keep peace with each other. Our tongue is essential for keeping peace with each other. And I want to read to you from a passage in James. It's James chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible, you can open it with me. Otherwise, we will have it on the screen for you. Let's read this together. James writes, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So also the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it is set on fire by hell itself. You think you feel strongly about this? People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. So I think James is pretty clear in his language here about the evil potential and the destructive potential of our tongue. Again, in verse 6, he says, The tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Very, very clear words. And again, I think we all understand that, and we all have experienced that. So I want to focus on, for the first part here, for, on three Three ways that our tongue can be a threat to our peace with each other. And to illustrate the, the first one, I want to tell you a quick blimp out of a staff meeting we had here recently. It was uh, Dave Nelson, Andy, and Dave Altsog and I were together. We just thought, man, it'd be a good time for us to confess our sins to each other, be vulnerable. And so Dave goes and, and uh, says, man, guys, I've really been struggling with, with alcohol. I've been sneaking off and drinking too much and... And then Andy goes and says, man, I've been struggling with smoking and sneaking behind the red building once in a while and just have a smoke, pop in some peppermint and come back to the office. And, and then Soggy goes, yeah, I've really struggled with, um, with gambling, you know, sneaking off to Vegas or Mesquite's a little closer. And, and I'm sitting there like, no, I'm supposed to share. And I really didn't want to. They pressed me. And so I went, well, guys, I, 
sorry, you really should have let me go first because I'm, I'm an incurable gossip and I can't wait to get out of this meeting. You know? So now let me clarify this. This was 100% fictional. <laughs> hey, Dave Nelson does not struggle with alcohol and Andy doesn't struggle with smoking and, and Soggy, as far as I know, has no problem with gambling. But I am an incurable gossip, so watch out. <laughs> you know, gossip, it's, it's funny in a joke like that. But if you've been on the other side of gossip, oof, ain't so funny anymore, is it? It isn't so funny anymore. You know, when we discuss someone behind their back, you know what that is? It's gossip. If we share information with others that could be damaging to somebody else, that is gossip. And you know what? It's even gossip when it's truth. It is gossip. And it's poison. Poisonous to us as a body of believers here in, at K2 in Salt Lake City. And you know what? The Bible has something very, very clear to say about gossip. In Proverbs 20, 19, it says this. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. A gossip betrays confidence. Avoid a man or a woman who talks too much. No, that is not an excuse to avoid your wife just because she talks so much. Hey, gossip is, is a poison. It's a cancer. And I love that in this video how, how he used this example of, of these feathers. See, once it's out, you cannot control where it goes. Just as it is impossible to go and collect all these thousands of feathers, because who knows where the wind has taken them, once it is out of your mouth... You have no control of where it goes. And it is impossible to undo that damage. Impossible to undo that damage. One thing that really impressed me when I first met Dave Nelson, when they were in Germany visiting Vince and, and Fran, and we got to know them, and he told me about K2, was when he told me about the Pledge of Connection and how serious K2 takes being truthful with each other and being, being loving with each other and, and, and giving grace to one another. Now, I just want to remind you of a couple of challenges that you have accepted if you have joined the crash, if you have joined membership here at K2. You've accepted the challenge to live in truth with each other. And you've accepted the challenge to give grace to each other and to speak truth in love See, gossip can be truth, but it's not in love. One thing that Dave told me when, when we met them, he said, you know, if I hear of people at K2 talking about each other without speaking to a person directly, without being truthful with each other, he says, I'm after them like a heat-seeking missile. That's how serious we take it. He says, I'll come after them in love, but we will not tolerate that here when we see it happen. And you know why? Because we are so committed to K2 being a safe place for you and for me, where we can be safe with each other. It is so important. And you know, it's, gossip is so easy to disguise as a prayer request. Have you experienced it? Oh, we, we really got to pray for Christian. You know, he's, he, should, he told me he's struggling with this. Let's pray about that. But really, that wasn't the prayer request. That was gossip. So let's just be really, really careful with that. Gossip is a major threat 
to our peace with each other. The second th threat to our peace with each other that the tongue can pose is lies. And you know, I think we're all tempted at times. Just a little fib, a little fib here, a little fib there. You know, why, why do we lie? We lie because we think we can avoid trouble, don't we? That's, that's for me the first temptation to lie because I want to avoid trouble. I remember, must have been third or fourth grade, uh, we had a dictation test in German class. And I, I was horrible at dictation. I don't know if they still do these, but we had a dictation test and a few days later we, we got it back and I had three mistakes which was the equivalent of a C. Yeah, it was a really steep curve. Um, so I had a C. It was my first C ever. So I came home that day and my mom asked, so Christian, did you get that test back? No. I don't even know what I was afraid. I thought I was going to get in trouble. So, no. Second day. So Christian, did you get that test back? No. Third day. Christian, did you get that test back? No. What's for lunch? Fourth day. Fifth day. Eighth day, tenth day, two weeks, 14 days. So Christian, did you get that test back? No. See, I wasn't thinking very far because my elementary school teacher lived in the other side of our duplex. <laughs> and my mom had run into her that day and was just wondering what was going on with that test. And she found out that um, we had gotten it back 12 days earlier or 14 days. And let's just say my... Um, My mom believed in spanking. We'll just leave it at that. Um, I thought I, I would avoid trouble, and it got me into so much more trouble than it would have been initially. That's why we lie. We want to avoid problems. We lie because we want to make ourselves look good, better than someone else. We lie because we think it benefits us. I don't know if you heard about George O'Leary, he was a football coach that was hired by Notre Dame a few years back. you remember that? He didn't make it very long. It was a couple of days. And this is, this is what was behind that. John O'Leary said, many years ago, as a young married father, I sought to pursue my dream as a football coach, he said. In seeking employment, I prepared a resume that contained inaccuracies regarding my completion of coursework for a master's degree and also my level of participation in football at my alma mater. These misstatements were never stricken from my resume or biographical sketch in later years. The sudden resignation from Notre Dame was one of the most embarrassing blows to the storied Notre Dame football program and to me personally. See, he had, he had improved his resume to get jobs. Just a little lie here, a little lie there. And then he gets the most prestigious job in college football. Notre Dame head coach. And within days, a newspaper finds out about his resume, and he had to resign in shame. Maybe the biggest embarrassment in Notre Dame's football history and in his personal life. He wanted to improve his reputation. It didn't work out so well. In German, we say lies have very short legs, which means they outrun pretty quickly. Proverbs 12:19 has this to say about truth. It says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And again, if, if we have joined membership here, we have accepted the challenge to live in truth with each other, 
and to speak truth in love to one another. We lie because we think it will solve a problem or avoid trouble, but really we betray trust. It's a major, major threat to our peace with each other. The third way that our tongue can, can be a threat to our peace is that we use our tongues to tear each other down. That's this kid's song. Encourage one another, don't tear each other down. Know that song? No. We so often use our tongues to tear each other down. You know, often that is mistaken for humor. And let me just tell you, I'm the first one I need to tell that to. And we as guys, we're so good at, you know, poking fun at each other and, and tearing each other down. And, and that's okay to a level and in certain relationships. But boy, it's such a fine line, isn't it? Haven't we all been there, guys, where we tease each other and a stab comes back and all of a sudden that hurts a little more than you expected and we stab back and we really start tearing each other down? It can be really hurtful. Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Wow. Let me just tell you, I have a long, long way to go on that. Don't say amen, honey. I have a long, long way to go. And here's the real killer. This passage, I've known this, but in studying this, it just jumped back out on me and just really spoke to me. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus says this, he says, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Give account for every careless word that we have spoken. Let me just tell you this. I hope that you get there before me because I don't want you to get stuck in line behind me <laughs> or Steve Bullanger. Um, I, think, I think, Steve, they'll have a special line just for you and me and then a line for everybody else. Because if I will have to give account for every useless word I've spoken, it'll take a while. I know about you, but that was so convicting to me. Just yesterday morning, I was working in the yard, and I just got really angry because the newly used bought lawnmower that I bought wasn't working so well, and my son Casey was trying to help me, and I just burst out in anger. Uselessly. <laughs> to the point where he was actually afraid. Useless words can be very hurtful and we will have to give account for them. You know, there's one guy in the Bible that hung out with Jesus a lot. His name was Peter. He was very quick to speak. I know if you've read a lot about him, he was very impulsive, very devoted, but just really quick to speak and to act thoughtlessly sometimes. And towards the end of Jesus' life, when Jesus was arrested, before he was arrested, he actually told Peter, when he, Peter said, I'll go with you, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, you know what, tonight <laughs> you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, oh, that's not going to happen. And then he was put to the test. 
Aren't you one of Jesus' guys? And he was afraid. Again, he was trying to avoid trouble, <laughs> trying to avoid persecution. Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? No, I'm not. Three times, quickly, thoughtlessly, out of fear, said, no, I don't know Jesus. Careless words, hurtful words. Even though Jesus knew it was going to happen, once Jesus was, was brought out of the court and they, they saw each other, I wouldn't want to have to meet Peter at that moment. Just the disappointment in Jesus' eyes. Destructive, hurtful words. But then we read later in the Gospel of John how Jesus speaks words of love and truth back into Peter's life and lifts him back up out of that guilt. And three times he asks Peter, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yes, you know that I love you. And Jesus says again, do you love me, Peter? Yes, you know that I love you. Do you really love me, Peter? Yes, I do. And then he commissions him. And kind of like Dave encouraged me when I came here and was worried about my role. And am I doing things right? And then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you will, sheep, will, will care for my sheep. You will care for them in my place. And he lifts him up. Powerful words of commissioning and confidence in Peter. And you see, we've, we focus this morning entirely on, on really what James talked about here, the destructive power of words. But then there's this other side. There's this incredibly powerful power in words to encourage and motivate and inspire people. And we have that potential too. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And you might know what I'm talking about. You might have experienced that. Maybe after years of waiting, you finally heard someone say unconditionally that he loves you. Maybe after years of trying to please and get affirmed, you finally heard someone say, I'm proud of you. Do you know how that lifted you up and encouraged you? Maybe somebody said, I believe in you. And it gave you that confidence that you needed. And maybe for some of you, after years of guilt, you finally heard someone say, I forgive you. And you know the freedom that that brings to your heart. The tongue has incredible power to heal and, and bring peace. So how do we get our tongue under control? How do we go make that shift from this destructive power that it has to this incredibly positive power and potential that the tongue has? And James isn't very encouraging in this. In verse 7 and 8 and 9, he says, People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. It seems that, that James is indicating here that the tongue is untamable, that we really can't control it so so why do we even talk about it this morning? Why do we talk about 
controlling our tongue and keeping peace with each other if apparently that's impossible. Maybe you have heard of my German brother Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. Siegfried and Roy, the, uh, the tamers of the white lions in Vegas. And for, for I think decades, they had these shows of these, these great white lions that they had, had tamed and they did all these tricks with. And then Roy's favorite, I forgot his name, but his favorite lion, who had always been under control and tamed, all of a sudden snapped and grabbed him during the show by the throat and dragged him off the stage and injured him for the rest of his life. He will be handicapped. It was miraculous, really, recovery. See, they thought they had these beasts under control, but they didn't. And it just took one time to do incredibly lasting damage. So if that is true, what hope do we have to control our tongues? What hope do we have to keep peace with each other and speak hope and, and forgiveness into each other's lives if our tongue is an untamable beast? See, I think we need to shift our focus a little bit away from our tongue. And Matthew 12, 34 says this, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, our tongue might be untamable, but that's not the real issue. The real issue is our heart. And that brings us back again to the last two messages that we had about having peace with God. See, only if we have experienced true peace in our heart and our heart is, is at peace with God, can we consistently be an agent that speaks peace and truth and love and forgiveness into other people's lives? The real issue is our heart and not our tongue. If our heart is at peace, our tongue can bring peace to others. It is our heart that needs taming first. So if you're not at peace this morning, if you're not at peace with God, then maybe because that's because words have been spoken to you that, that are lies about you. Words that say that you're not lovable. Words that said that you're not worth anything. Words that communicated to you that you're unwanted and that you'll never amount to anything. Do you know what? Then I want you to know this morning that God wants to replace those lies by his truth. And his word is full of truths about you. And I just want to give you a few of them. The word says very clearly that you are lovable. And not just lovable, that you are unconditionally loved by God, by our creator. The Bible tells us that you have worth. It says that you were knitted and put together in your mother's wombs, that you were beautifully and wonderfully made and with a purpose. You have worth. You were wanted. You were wanted by God. And he says that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven by him and you can have peace with him. And you know, if that is true, then we need to be encouraging each other with these truths and replace these lies by God's truth and bring peace in our hearts with God. 
So our hearts need to be tamed first. Our hearts need to be surrendered to God first. But isn't it true that even, even those of us that, that have surrendered our hearts to God and we're following Jesus, our tongue is still out of control sometimes, isn't it? See, there's, there's two parts. There's, there's a surrender to God, and then there's the part where we just have to, have to be wise with our, with our words, where we have to be disciplined in our speech. And in my studying for this, I came across a really cool tool for this, a help, I think. Um, in one of the, the, uh, the commentaries that I read, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. And this is an, an acronym that I want you to think about when you speak. And the acronym is THINK, T-H-I-N-K. And the T stands for, is it true? I think we have a slide for this. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say truth? H, is it Is it actually helpful, what I'm about to say? Or is it one of those careless words that I'm going to have to give it an account for? I, is it, is it inspiring or encouraging? But E didn't fit so well, so thank didn't work so well. So inspiring, encouraging, is what I'm about to say beneficial to those around me? And N, is it, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? If you can't answer yes to any of those, what you're about to say probably isn't worth saying. If it isn't true, if it isn't helpful, if it isn't inspiring, necessary, or kind, it probably isn't worth saying. And will more, do more damage than good. So as we leave here this morning, I want you to think about who you might have hurt with your speech. Could be recent, could be a long time ago. Pray about it. Ask God to bring to mind who, who's been hurt by, by your words and whom you might have to go back to and ask for forgiveness and, and make it right. Our speech has incredible impact. So another question we need to ask ourselves, what kind of impact do we want to have? in our lives. Our speech can be incredibly hurtful and destructive or it can be healing and encouraging. So what is your speech going to be? Remember, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what flows out of your heart and what, what do you fill your heart with? What comes out of your mouth? Is it selfishness? Is it Is it gossip? Is it lies and discouragement? Or is it love, truth, and encouragement? So I just want to encourage you and myself that, that we submit our, first our hearts and then our tongues to Jesus. Allow Him to fill our hearts and that we would speak out of the overflow of what He puts into our hearts. Let Him tame that little beast in our mouth and let's choose words wise, wisely let's think before we speak for the sake of our peace with each other let me pray heavenly father oh i know i speak so quickly at times i i want to be funny 
want to say something smart. And so often, it doesn't come out right. So often, it, it hurts. So often, it seeks to put me in the center. So even unintentionally, I hurt people around me, and we all do. Lord, I, I pray first and foremost, Lord, that you would tame our heart, that we would submit our heart to you to tame it, for you to fill it with your peace, with your truth, with your love, with your forgiveness, so that out of the overflow of that, our mouths can speak that into other people's lives. Lord, I pray that you would give me and us the courage to go and make right where we might have hurt people. And I pray that, that you would speak healing into other people's lives through us. Thank you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name.